Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio talking about the problems people have with their work, whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between. We want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hi, I'm Rich. Welcome to Punching Out. Today we're going to be talking about Amazon fulfillment centers and the quote-unquote ambassadors within. I'm joined today by Noah. Hi, y'all. And no one else. It's just the two of us. It is a dynamic duo bringing you Punching Out today. It's a, it's a double punch. It's a double say. punching out. I know you're used to three-man, three-person crews, um, so just try try and bear with us as we uh, we bring you the content you desire. We'll do our best to do the work of three people. So I'm going to read a tweet to you, Noah, and I want to hear your comments on it. Hannah says, I suffer from depression too, and at one point I wanted to quit Amazon, but I realized it was my fault for the problems I was dealing with and not Amazon's. I'm allowed to talk to people, but sometimes I don't want to. Now I have some great coworkers to pass the nights with. Why do you think Hannah was prompted to say such a uh, bizarre comment about her personal mental health in the Amazon warehouse? I mean, I have a serious guess and I have a weird guess. Go for both. Um, th- the weird guess is, um, th- did somebody just like poke her with a stick? You know, is this like a regular occurrence where... Uh, because we've talked on the show before. In fact, I've talked on the show before about how you have to make rate in Amazon warehouses. So maybe there's like a minimum of comments she has to post. But I'm guessing the more direct route here is that somebody was saying that working in an Amazon fulfillment center causes depression. Yes. Yeah, there's a Twitter thread here uh, that we're, we're pulling from uh, Amazon News, which is a thing, not Washington Post. It's separate from that. Uh, although uh, both are owned by uh, billionaire super tyrant Jeff Bezos. Jeffy. Jeffy the Bezos um, offered people to come take a free tour in an Amazon fulfillment center and see what our warehouses are really like. Check out the locations and reserve your spot online. So I, I don't know. What is that? Worker. It's a trap. Worker poverty tourism. You, the promise you walk here. in and they conscript you. Yeah. Then then you're part of Amazon now. You, you're part of the fulfillment center. And then every comment below that are just, you know, criticizing, hi, real ex-Amazon employee here, and I hated my job. It made me miserable. It made my depression worse than it had ever been in my life. They treat you like you're a cog in a machine. Jeff Bezos is a money hoarder that couldn't care less than an employee. And then, you know, then Hannah goes by Amazon FC ambassador chimed in with her more positive take on what's it like to work in an Amazon warehouse. You know, I suffer from depression, but I can be left alone there. Or I can talk to my coworkers. You know, it's fine. I can pass the nights it's, with them. It has, I can pass the nights with my best friends at the old fulfillment center. Yeah. And who doesn't love being fulfilled? Who does? Yeah. And, so, and wouldn't we all want a fulfillment center in our lives? I, Somewhere we could go if, if to only, be... If only there were such a thing in modern society to fulfill all my deepest wants and desires. And uh, it turns out Amazon is not that. Uh, yes, what a, what despite a, what a revelation. Despite their their best attempts to make us believe otherwise, uh, if you haven't caught on yet, um, fulfillment center is a very normal and not remotely dystopian dis, uh, euphemism. Sorry for a warehouse. That that's actually what they are. Right when when you press the button for your your Amazon goods and services to be delivered to you, they get sent off to I don't even know how many there are probably hundreds right no clue Uh, warehouses worldwide uh where people physically have to take the products you ordered and put them into boxes so they can be then shipped to you um so you know even though the process seems anonymous you come home one day and there's a gift at your door how fun Uh, of course there are a number of works coordinating logistics physically packing the number of workers rather uh coordinating logistics physically packing the boxes delivering the boxes etc and all evidence suggests uh by the testimony of thousands of workers at this point people who have done investigations of these warehouses that they are currently some of the worst places to work uh in in the country right now literal sweatshops uh where your time is micromanaged and you're punished for not meeting arbitrary goals um and so to 
respond to these critiques of the quote unquote fulfillment center is one of the most Orwellian phrases our corporate masters have yet coined. Uh, Amazon created this really cool program called the FC Ambassadors Program. Uh, or as people keep calling it because nobody, like, unless you're one of us weirdos who won't stop talking about Amazon on a, on a radio show, um, <laughs> unless you're one of us people, you have this thing where people don't understand that the FC stands for Fulfillment Center. So online la- this past week has been people trying to understand if there's like an Amazon football club that we don't know about. It's like Red Bull New York, but somehow yeah. more more anonymous and tyrannical. Also, I feel like we're giving Jeffy ideas just by talking about it, and it's just going to happen. Yeah, now. You know, old Jeff doesn't strike me as a sports fan. He so. doesn't. He's definitely a sports ball guy, but... Yeah. If it's if it's another way to get like uh, tax breaks or something like that, he'll do it. Right, he'll he'll have a stadium built with taxpayer money, but then there will be a warehouse in the basement of the stadium just so he can really squeeze that extra dime. That's what the, the players will be doing. Right, in their yeah, off the time. players doing their off season will be Amazon fulfillment center workers exactly. uh, between shifts at the old pitch. And and it's weird because um, you know the term ambassador. It I I know I'm sort of the language guy who goes like words have meanings on here a lot, but these aren't countries. They're not like political units. They're not even really – fulfillment centers, warehouses, aren't even really a brand. Why do they need ambassadors? Right, and that's another sort of Orwellian twist. And you see that with a lot of like public relations, like quote-unquote outreach attempts. Like universities, uh, this the one I can think of top of my head. When you take like a tour, you have a student ambassador there to introduce you and guide you to – the 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 world of the university so i think it's supposed to conjure the same meaning like this is a very diplomatic very neutral conduit of information to you it's not a paid source of disinformation uh of what amazon conditions are actually like and sitting here it sort of occurs to me that in a slightly sinister way it also implies that pushing back or doing violence to this person that is an ambassador is you know like out of bounds. You're not allowed to do that. So it, it sort of established the, it establishes them as above and beyond the process of sale, as you're saying. Right. They're, they're just a diplomatic entity with whom you have to deal in the highest respect, even if you absolutely hate their guts and know that everything they're telling you is not true. Right. And so the what, what's interesting, particularly interesting about this to me, is that these are Amazon workers. Like some people have accused them of being bots, and but you know I think you found some what was right. it, like a data sheet or something that you know showed that prove that these people are actually working for Amazon, um, and you know in various warehouses or other you know sort of you know contexts in the company. But there's no reasonable person can think they're doing this in good faith. They're being monitored by Amazon. They're logging onto these accounts on Amazon. Uh, if not computers, at least Amazon-owned, you know, technology, and of course they're getting paid for it. Right. This is something they're doing as their job. They're doing public outreach. There's no way they could present even the most minor criticism of uh, Amazon through this program, or they'd face punishment, or they, at the very least, they lose this extra cash they're getting uh, for <laughs> the easy job of posting. You know, do, do, if, you, if I were given the choice of working an eight-hour shift in an Amazon warehouse or working an eight-hour shift as a poster for Amazon, I'll easily be the shill. That's the better job. But I would hope that people would take my words with just a massive grain of salt and understand that this is a complete astroturf operation from uh, the, the corporate bosses at Amazon. I feel like it's especially weird because – so many other businesses and uh, brands and whatnot don't really need um, they, they don't need to explicitly identify the people that are posting on their behalf, you know right like you can get people to defend pretty much any company in the world without having to disclose openly their association with it and I don't <laughs> it's very hard for me to tell if Amazon from Amazon's point of view, if it is more credible because the people that you're getting this info from have, you know, Amazon FC ambassador and then the little box. Yeah. And their faces the are, their, their faces are, the, their faces are there in the, in the profiles. Too. Yeah. So it's not like they're anonymous. They're putting themselves out there. 
And that was one of the sources of, of sort of people dunking on this stuff that they can hand it off between people right. the accounts. So you have a dude named Raphael who used to be a grandmother named Michelle <laughs> yeah. and now is 20 years old but still has old posts about her grandkids because, you know, presumably Michelle went off to go do something else with her life, we hope. Right. Hopefully not at Amazon, but. <sighs> Here's open. Because so that's sort of the thing. Amazon is, on the one hand, I think the more obvious answer is that they think this gives them credibility. They're openly admitting that this person works for them, and they're pushing them out there to be a essentially on public relations labor. But part of me wonders if Amazon's sort of PR department is aware enough of the cynical way with with which people are going to approach something like this and basically said, you know what, we have nothing to lose, honestly. Um, most people are going to take this as complete astroturf, as you're saying. But all we need to do is sort of plant the seed of doubt in their mind right. that maybe it's not as bad as we as people keep telling them that it is, and that'll be enough. You know, as long as you get just that one little bit yeah, the, the the way to achieve your goals as a corporation, which is, of course, at the end of the day, to keep generating profits and to keep people generally feeling positive about you as a place they could go buy from, is to completely muddy the waters about uh, all aspects of your operation. You don't really want people understanding how the sausage gets made, so to speak. So to have this blanket... Uh, criticism of your company and its labor practices is potentially dangerous to you because, for instance, a presidential candidate, a senator, Bernie Sanders, has taken direct notice of Amazon's labor practices and has actually crafted a piece of legislation called the Stop Bezos Act, directly named after Jeff Bezos, the billionaire super tyrant of Amazon, um, to bring these corporations, not just Amazon, but particularly Amazon, to heel. Um, and so the way you counteract that is by just glutting all channels with false information. Actually, it's fine working at Amazon. Actually, it's fine uh, you know, making an extra buck at the holidays at Amazon. Actually, it's fine for old people to drive their campers from warehouse to warehouse, spending the, you know, the last years of their lives uh, exploited to the hilt because you know, at the end of the day, working there is not so bad. You know, ignore these other voices. So you know, even though the authentic voices, the ones that aren't being paid by Amazon, are almost unanimous in their condemnation of its labor practices. The mere existence of these ambassadors uh, searching Twitter, searching other social media for just the words Amazon, and then jumping in the middle of any thread uh, of negative comments to just offer this you know, alternative, positive viewpoint uh, shields Amazon from you know, this, this negative negative criticism of it. Right. Because you're absolutely right. There's a massive preponderance of information at this point that uh, tells us what working in these places is like. And this is where I have to, before I forget again, offer an apology. Um, the, on the previous episode, we talked about Amazon. I offhandedly remembered an article that was published in Mother Jones a few years back. And in discussing it, I mentioned the name of the journalist. And turns out, I had not realized this at the time uh, because I remembered the article in the middle of the episode, but I detonamed him and misgendered him. Uh, I'm talking about Gabriel Mack, who uh, at the time was publishing under the byline Mack McClellan. So unreservedly apologize for that one. The other thing that I got wrong in discussing that article is that it wasn't an Amazon warehouse, but that one I'm not going to apologize for because the conditions were so exactly everything that I've heard about working in an Amazon fulfillment center, 72 point air quotes, that it should be pretty obvious how I came to that conclusion. And, you know, we're talking about Amazon, but we're not talking about just Amazon. Every warehouse is like this. All of these, you know, kinds of fulfillment centers are just nightmares to work at uh, in these days. You know, it doesn't matter who whose name is on the front of the warehouse or who who they're supplying the, uh, you know, the products for. Uh, the workers in there, and I can test this from personal experience, are living hellish, working hellish shifts. 
Well, you had a particular source about this, exactly how bad it is working in a fulfillment center for Jeffy, right? Oh, yeah. So uh, the journalist Emily Gundelsberger um, is, is coming out with a book about she, – she had done one of those kind of undercover journalist gigs where she got a job uh, at an Amazon warehouse in, I believe, outside Louisville, Kentucky – and she worked there for a month at the holiday season, which, as you can imagine, you know, as bad as the rest of the year is, the sheer volume, the sheer weight of uh, orders coming through uh, through the warehouse of the holiday season makes it the, the really the worst time of the year for uh, many of the workers. So the main thing that struck me about uh, Gundelsberger's uh, expose, and I should say this, she published this before – this, these fulfillment center ambassadors became a thing. Um, and I really would love to get her take on uh, this particular corner of dystopia at some point, but you know, it didn't cross my mind until just now to you know, ask her what she thought of it. Uh, what struck me most about uh, her time at Amazon was just how boring it was. It's not just that it's hard work. It's not that it's hot work and dirty work and you're, you're monitored obsessively. It's that you're spending eight hours a day in absolute drudgery uh, so she wasn't even allowed to bring earphones in. She couldn't listen to podcasts. She couldn't listen to music. All she had to listen to was the quiet of the fourth floor. And if she happened to pass a coworker in you know the mostly empty cavernous warehouse, you know they could talk. The only thing she could do to entertain herself was sing. If it was you know empty enough and she didn't see anyone else around, then she could sing to pass the time. Um, eventually, you know, she told me in a in a conversation. Uh, she she sewed a, a little MP3 player into her hat so she could subversively listen to music uh, inside the warehouse. But that was really the only way she had to break up the monotony of their time there. Because she couldn't bring in anything sold by Amazon, a place that sells everything. Right. Because, you know, that, that's something I believe we've talked about on the show before. Working at Amazon subjects you to just... Uh, truly invasive searches as you enter the warehouse and then mm-hmm. as you exit the warehouse and searches for which you're not paid by the way thank you very much supreme court uh, oh. your, your time your time is being searched your bodily search for uh theft is off the clock i was going to say that's that's another thing that i wonder about these um fc ambassadors so again if you haven't listened to previous episodes we've done on this so you have to make right that that's the main thing that you have to do at one of these warehouses. When Emily Gundelsberger worked at this center, which by the way, they're all referred to with these like three letter designations and then a number like this is like a (laughs) 70s sci-fi movie or something. This one was SDF eight. Anyway, she mentions that the rate then was 90 when we talked about the one in Minnesota, I believe the rate at this point was somewhere close to 200 and might even have been over that. Right. So it, it's getting weird that you can even date when things happen by what the rate at an Amazon warehouse right. is, you know? It, it's so weird. But, of course, if you don't make rate, whether that's because you're working on the floor where there's oversized items or because you went to the bathroom instead of peeing in a water bottle, like a lot of Amazon employees apparently have to do. You get time off task and then a manager is going to come over and uh, give you a talking to and penalize you. And if you get penalized, what is it, like three or four times in some of these places, you're off the job. It doesn't matter why. And all I could think of as these sort of threads were coming together into my mind, which was rapidly folding in on itself. All I could think of was that there's no way they count the time that these FC ambassadors are posting as time that they're making rate is there. They, as soon as they finish making the tweet, it's right back to picking. Or- yeah. Th- that, that was something I was wondering about. Like, I don't know if this is something like they're pulled off the, the job for like a short amount of time and, you know, make a little extra cash writing this tweet or for something they do dedicatedly. It seems like it's more the former than the latter. There's, there's a lot we don't know about this program that uh, hopefully people like Emily Gundelsberger will be doing more research into uh, to you know, really try and find out exactly how Amazon made this work. Uh, it already looks like Amazon's pulling back on this uh, disaster of a, uh, of a PR push. Um, so the, the, the FC, by the time you hear this episode, the FC ambassadors of Amazon may no longer exist, uh, except in our, uh, contemptuous podcast slash radio show. 
we can only wonder what happened to them. Yeah, it was, it was, the internet really treated them unfairly, I think. Yeah. Didn't give them a chance to show off their true their true power. Listen, Jeffy just wanted to let us know that it's perfectly okay working for him. There are no problems. If you have depression, that's your fault. You just need to find the coworkers that you can pass the night with. I can't get over that. It's such a weird phrase. And <laughs> to be fair, one of our comrades suggested that this was a very subtle attempt to subvert mm-hmm. the Amazon thing by like pointing out, you know, a, of course the fact that she is suffering from depression through her work, but also being like how ridiculous it is to think that Amazon could in any way ameliorate that. So I'll, I'll leave open the opportunity for interpretation there that this person may be, uh, you know, actually sharing some kind of cry for help through the Amazon FC program. But I, I'm, I'm choosing to interpret it as a, a literal, um, evocation of what she thinks her bosses want to hear mm. which i think is probably the more honest case with all of these and the disturbing it is um i do kind of hope that the subversion angle is true if nothing else because you know that's the one way they would ever kill the program if right. they realize that you could use yeah, it yeah if their workers for, were trolling them yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um because th- the thing with this is that that's it it's classic <laughs> late 2010s Amazon now because uh, they had that move to increase the minimum wage across the board to $15 yeah. uh, for any entry-level worker at Amazon. But then, of course, cut back on bonuses and other things that made you more than if your wage was 15 bucks. And they also eliminated the employee stock buying program, right. which used to be like a big deal. And that was, you know, because giving you one share of Amazon is like a few thousand bucks in your pocket at this point. Mm-hmm. So that made perfect sense uh, as a benefit. But now it's instead something like they let you put the money into like an account where you can eventually buy it or something like that. But of course, if you know you're never going to save up if you're working for Amazon at 15 bucks an hour, chances are fairly close to zero that you're ever going to save up the money to buy an Amazon share for yourself. Yeah. So it, it it's uh it's Jeffy has done a number of things over the past couple of years where it's a big public relations push for his company that is I mean gossamer thin right like it's 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 something that makes him look good at zero effort and that ends up screwing his workers worse off than they were before and then the only people uh, or sorry and then because the only people that matter are all on his side i.e you know newspaper editorial boards including the one he owns and you know people on television and other rich a-holes who will all look at him and think, well, that's an intelligent business owner. He's doing what I would do. He's a multi-billionaire, so he clearly made some good decisions along the way. He didn't get lucky or uh, take advantage of a completely broken system to get the money he didn't earn. Never got a six-figure loan from his parents. (laughs) That never happened. There was never a point at which he needed shelter or food. He has never, ever, 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 ever depended on anything but his intelligence, which is why he has plans to create asteroid mines and crap, because that that's what an intelligent person would do, right? Yeah, he's going to join the rest of our, our global 0.1% and living off planet. Uh, they're going to let us live in the wreck we they created for us, and they'll go find uh, Martian homes. But we'll we'll still be working fulfillment centers here on Earth, but it will be to send uh, luxuries up to the asteroid colonies where Jeff Bezos's uh, kin live. And if you think the injuries are bad now, imagine how bad they'll be when like you're loading them into a rocket. You know? <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine the Amazon space program is going to be a standard of safety and uh, oh, efficiency. Man. It's going to be funded by SpaceX too. It'll have uh, like a fifty percent failure rate. Yeah. And that'll be fine as long as they get their, uh, I don't know, what's popular on Amazon these? Their Instant Pots. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Whatever an Instant Pot is in 2075 when they live on the asteroids, that, that's Ugh. what they'll get. This is already so bleak. I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like it's fitting because at the point where you need to create these, at the point where you need to have employees that already depend on you 
for um for their wherewithal for their livelihood and you also make them go in public stick up for your company um as and, and essentially say like hey i'll kick in a few extra bucks to your paycheck this this period if you make me look good on the internet right like, i already have billions of dollars i own a newspaper i have i've achieved like five things that any supervillain would want to Democracy dies in darkness, folks. Exactly right. <laughs> Democracy dies in darkness. We need to remember this. But and the only person who is like explicitly against me is a dude from Vermont that the rest of his own party can't, or essentially his own party can't stop getting in his way on in his like attempt to just curb some of the worst abuses I perpetrate on my employees. Right. Part, part of what makes Bernie Sanders so dangerous or so disliked at least is that he's the only Democrat really who's willing to criticize a corporation. Uh, he's willing to point out that Amazon has terrible labor practices. The workers are miserable there when the rest of them are like, oh, gosh, how could he do that? How could mm-hmm. he talk about Amazon that way? Uh, well, and so – that's why you see this ambassador program crop up at the height of the presidential primaries, I think, is because Bernie's getting a lot of traction. And noticeably, a lot of Amazon workers are donating to him and listing their employment for FEC purposes as like Amazon wage slave or Amazon employee help me uh, for the official record. So that, that's something they're clearly noticing. And you know, Bernie's certainly noticing, thank God. I was going to say, that's probably the discrepancy right there. Bernie Sanders is getting donations from Amazon workers. Uh, I would gather, I would imagine that most of the other Democrats running, especially like the no-name ones that just need to drop out any minute now, uh, are almost certainly getting their donations from Amazon executives. Yeah, you know that that's something we should have done before this episode is see where uh, Jeff Bezos has been throwing his money over the, oh, the campaign. Though, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sure it's just been laundered through all sorts of packs and you know other mm-hmm. kind of nonsense. But I am curious. I'm. Gun to my head, I would guess Pete Buttigieg, the uh, the billionaire candidate, yeah. would be the the Bezos preference. But you know, who knows? That's again, it's it's this idea of I can't just it. The thing is, this is why this is why this episode is kind of hard to like tease out all these little strands that we've been talking about because on previous episodes, it's been very clear that Jeffy is a man who not only wants to be rich and exalted, but he has to look good doing it. He can't stomach, you know, like some of these rich guys, they don't care what their reputation is. They don't give a crap if you think if you think that they're Lex Luthor. They're fine with that. And that, he actually looks like Lex Luthor. That's he the does. Best I know. That's why I thought of it. But like your Peter Thiels and people like that, they don't care if you think they're supervillains. Right. But everything Bezos ever does reveals a person with huge insecurity about his legacy and his reputation. He's like the John Roberts of billionaires. Yeah. He cannot deal with the idea that when he dies, it's not going to be beloved founder of Amazon on his headstone, but like some idiot or something like that. Yeah. And and that's so the fact that everything stems from that. The ambassador's programs, every time he gives a public quote, the whole like I'll do this announcement for the $15 minimum wage with Bernie Sanders right before he spends the next year pointing out all the other myriad ways in which I abuse my employees. It's it's a person who cannot get out of this weird like feudalist concept of what their relationship with the workers are like. Yeah. What, what struck me as I was doing prep for this episode and, you know, I'm the historian guy who tries to bring context to this. I could not find, you know, believe me, if you think about any examples, come talk to me or shoot me an email or something, let me know. I could not find any examples of any other company asking its employees to do this. You know, you see examples of like loyalty building in other companies. Like the, the one I can think of top of my head was Walmart. Before every meeting at Walmart, Walmart employees have to do the Walmart cheer, which is like a really gross cheerleading. Give me a W. Give me an A. And you have to do the the letters thing like you're doing the YMCA for each letter and wiggle your butt uh, for the, the squiggle between Walmart, which good God, people. Uh, why does that exist? But 
the idea of a company explicitly paying its own workers, you know, to go out there and defend the company is something new. Usually this is something that gets laundered through PR firms. And so, you know, you have this nice, well-dressed professional uh, giving corporate speak to the news and providing uh, your NPRs and your New York Timeses with the positive twist on uh, what working on Amazon is like. And, you know, like you said before, Noah, this is certainly almost certainly came out of their PR department. Not the brightest idea in the history of public relations by any accounts, but uh, nonetheless, it, it, it is fascinating that Bezos really needs the lie of workers enjoying at Amazon. It's not just that he needs to feel uh, beloved. He needs that uh, the public to know he's this figure of uh, of some respect and uh, some power within his own little little dominion of Amazon. I like this a lot. Um, I could talk about uh, Jeffy as a lord of the manor for ages, but I think what we'll do is we'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about more reasons why this is the bleakest, most depressing thing we've ever done on this show. (laughs) You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hi, I'm your punching out ambassador, Rich, and I'm joined by uh, fellow ambassador Noah. Hi, y'all. We're here to take you to about how great the working conditions are in the punching out collective, uh, and also incidentally talk about uh, Amazon and other bad actors under capitalism. The joke is they're all bad actors under capitalism. Yeah, pretty much. We see punching out. We don't need ambassadors because this is actually a nice place to work. We are uh, a collective. We do this out of our own fruition and free will because we want to talk about how bad Amazon is. We just spend our days thinking about uh, Amazon and ways to topple it uh, because we want a better world without Amazon where workers control logistics and where fulfillment centers are places where you go to get delicious meals uh, and fun times with your friends and board games, you know, things (laughs) that fulfill you uh, without having to... Uh, exploit yourself and exploit your fellow worker to achieve your your personal fulfillment. That's the ideal society, right? Have we said fulfillment? Enough Let's times just say fulfillment a bunch more times. We really want to yeah. nail home that we are ambassadors of fulfillment. Punching big, out, big W-A-Y-O. fulfillment ambassadors. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the kind of thing that being exposed to this crap makes your brain do though. Yeah, this this is Amazon brain on radio, folks. When I used to when I read through the original thread before the algorithm ruined it, well, ruined it quote unquote, before the algorithm changed it from all the robotic replies uh to uh the the person who said, you know, this this is a lie and what you're going to be showing people who go on these fulfillment center tours is uh carefully constructed uh, visual, but it's not the reality of the situation. All right. of those replies have been scrubbed now. Right. So you only really have the truth coming out. But when I was reading the previous version of that, that was just the robots or the, sorry, the ambassadors who were getting pushed out there to do what they can for their company. It was maddening. After a while, even somebody who has been on this tip for the time that I have been on it was looking at it and just beginning to wonder, did I step into another universe? Yeah. What is happening? Am I am I somehow in the wrong? And of course I'm not, but the preponderance of those replies just bears down on you. And even on their face, like, so um, my mis- mia culpa, I should have screen grabbed them. I had a bunch more lined up and then they all got deleted because clearly Amazon has realized that this was a terrible idea and um, you know, shouldn't. So I think Noah has some pulled up here if he wants to. Uh, unfortunately, no, but they are somebody on something awful 
combined the actual replies with quotes from Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what we got. The internet did its 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 good recombination uh, skills to memify. Uh, the Amazon employee. So, I mean, what's, what struck me most about these, and you know, if you're listening to this, probably you're online and saw at least some of these, these FC uh, ambassador quotes. It was like, I am a human worker and really enjoy my time at warehouse at fulfillment center warehouse job. Uh, that was really kind of the, the robotic tone of it. Just why, why people, I think really thought it was robots doing that. right. And, and because they seem to be coming into conversations that had nothing to do with what they were saying. Right. It, it made me wonder if these people, the, the, the people behind these accounts, were even getting told what they were replying to most of the time. That, or if it was, that was something that crossed my mind is like, were these responses like algorithmically generated or like did a PR person put them together and was like, here, post this or like, here's what we think you should post or here's what we'd like you to right. talk about. And, you know, here, here's some suggestions. Here's some talking points for you. Yeah, uh, the the most positive, like, the only thing I could think of was that a manager would just kind of pull somebody aside and go, hey, Sheila or David or whatever your name is, you know, somebody just posted a thing about how am- working at Amazon causes depression. Just type real quick and we'll, you know, hit the button and send it. Because apparently they don't even use actual Twitter to do this. They use like a separate app yeah. that you're supposed to use for these things. We, we can't trust our employees on Twitter. Oh, of you know, course they, they can. Who, who knows what they would say? Then they might actually try to be subversive about it. And then, then they would probably sound like the rest of the Amazon workers who post or talk in any other way about how god-awful their experience at this these fulfillment centers is. We were talking right before the break about how you – so there are other companies that have done sort of internal loyalty building. So, Rich, you brought up the Walmart cheer. I looked on a series of old articles on Edmunds.com called Confessions of a Car Salesman. They're not available anymore, which I find very interesting because the article that replaced them is very much pro sort of uh, car companies in a way that the old – or car dealerships anyway – in a way that the old articles were not. But – it talks about how the their version of it was this very macho, you know, uh, playing uh, hard rock music and just people kind of like jumping out of their seats and all these dudes in like silk shirts and ties on a Friday morning just going nuts in a boardroom because they had sold some amount and having yelling cheers and whatever. We talked about that sort of thing, and we talked about approaching this from a public relations standpoint, which I am – very familiar with because I spent most of my childhood around public relations executives. Both my parents worked in the industry. Um, and you know, to me, what they always said, because I would, as a kid routinely confuse their jobs with like advertising. I kept saying that my parents worked in advertising and they said, no, no, no. Advertising makes you think that you're really cool for buying the product. It tells you that buying the product is attractive but public relations builds credibility for the product. So it makes you think you're smart for buying it. It makes you think that that's a good decision, an intelligent decision. And in that context, knowing that these programs and so on are coming out of PR firms, it's especially bleak to think about the fact that companies are now um, battling the information that that is coming out about them, about their uh, labor practices and whatever with an attempt to build credibility for a brand that we already know is fatally poisoned. And that, you know, that, that what struck me, that's what struck me. I think most about the Amazon offering the tours of the warehouses, like we have nothing to hide. You know, we we would let any public official or anyone who wants come uh, take a tour of the fulfillment center. And that's something where I did, you know, come across or think about a historical echo is Ford, Back in the 1920s and 1930s, in fact, to this day, you can still go visit River Rouge, uh, the major Ford factory just outside Detroit, uh, would offer these factory tours to anyone who wanted to go see them. Um, But they would be carefully curated experiences of what existence in the factory was like. And so it would emphasize the machinery, uh, the innovation, the pay for the workers, things like that rarely would you ever get to talk to an actual line worker. And if you did, it was very carefully screened 
you know, the workers wouldn't have to be told not to speak negatively because Ford executives would be standing there in a group. And so it would just be implicitly understood that anything you said was being heard and noted uh, and, and could affect your continued employment. And I can't imagine the tours of these fulfillment centers would be any different in that respect. It's a nice sort of uh, idea like, hey, we just want to offer information. Come see what things are really like in the warehouse. But you're not seeing what things are really like in the warehouse, or you wouldn't anyway. You would get a carefully curated experience conducted by Amazon PR people or Amazon managers who have a vested influence or uh, a vested interest in presenting the best possible picture of these warehouses to the outside world. And you would have to be utterly credulous to think what you got inside that warehouse or through that warehouse tour was anything like the truth. Uh, but nonetheless, we come back to this need uh, for Amazon to sell itself as something other than bleak, as something other than utterly destructive of its workers' lives. Uh, it has to be seen as a legitimate part of the economy because if you start questioning Amazon's legitimacy within the economy, you maybe start questioning legitimacy of any of these corporations' role in the economy. And so there's this broad campaign, not just by Amazon, but by other PR executives and uh, corporate executives to present themselves as credible, like you said, Noah. That's their uh, their main cultural protection against any challenges from outside. And that's particularly weird to me because, so I work in a school and it's a, it's not a public school. We charge tuition. So you do get, I do get to see admissions tours. I do get to see very carefully, you know, how these tours are curated, where the prospective students are taken, where they're families are taken, which isn't always the same places, that sort of thing, what gets emphasized. I remember that um, I used to teach in a very fancy newer classroom. And when that was the case, admission stores regularly stopped by my room to sort of show, you know, this is the kind of place that we have for our students here. And then now that I've moved to an older and shabbier classroom, there is no, I mean, this is kind of nice. My classes are no longer interrupted by admissions tours, but that's because they don't want to show students or their parents that this is what most of the place still looks like. But it's it's weird to me because we don't have, in my building at least, we don't need to pay somebody extra cash to go do social media work for us. We hire for that. We hire people who are already, whether in personality or ideologically or politics or what have you, willing to stand up for the place that they work at and will already do the work of being a brand ambassador without essentially getting paid any extra to do it on top of their regular duties, which is very – so part of the bleakness for me is the idea that working for you is so hellish that you somehow have to get people to do this for you. You can't just rely on the, uh, well, it, it's exactly what you said, Rich. Amazon can't, they, by definition, they can't make Amazon a better place to work. So all they can do is uh, build the veneer around it right, that it yeah. is. That That's what was kind of refreshing in retrospect about my time in a warehouse uh, I didn't work for Amazon. I worked for a, a pretty small regional company. Um, the interview consisted of uh, the manager saying, uh, so yeah, it's a warehouse. It's dirty. It's cold in the winter. It's hot in the summer. Do you want the job? And I said, sure. And that was the interview. I can imagine an Amazon interview being more like, what values do you think Amazon has? And how do you fit in with the Amazon value system? And you're expected at least – to lie to them, to tell them, oh, yeah, I'm a real go-getter hard worker and I love products, you know. Um, so whom's uh, among whom's us? amongst us doesn't love a good consumer product. Yep. Um, but Amazon kind of runs into the issue there of they have to hire so many people that they just can't guarantee that quality control of message because the work is so hellish that people are going to dissent. 
you know you, you can't escape that aspect of it uh, the way you could at say a school where you know the conditions you know as I'm sure you're happy to attest could certainly be hellish in many instances but you're also it's a much tighter knit community and you know different kind of people who can uh, you know, maintain that kind of message discipline for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, that's, I'm sorry to keep harping on this, but that's something we talked about when we talked about the strike at the Amazon warehouse in Minnesota, where, so uh, uh, I don't remember if it was a majority or a plurality or what, but uh, a lot of the workers at this warehouse were Somali American. Um, and they had, when, Amazon recruited very heavily from their neighborhood in Minneapolis, I want to say. They started out providing a bus route. They would they paid for a bus to take these guys, uh, these, these people, to work. And what happened after a little bit is that that became the first place they could organize. That became the focus of community for them. They were already a somewhat tight-knit community coming from the same neighborhood, but now they're also – all these people living in the same place and also going to the same job. So they're all talking on the bus about what sucks about the job and blah, blah, blah. And of course the moment that happened, Amazon shut off the bus route Yeah, because that's the thing. Workplaces hate community. The only time they're willing to give it to you is if they can also spy on you while right. they, while they do that. Their, their image of community is utterly hierarchical. It's one for the benefit of the managers and the executives. The second, uh, that sense of community challenges their power in any respect. It immediately gets squashed out. And so, you know, something else I was thinking of is, you know, my workplace, and I'm sure most corporate workplaces have some sort of like value code that you're expected to sign in your employee handbook. And probably there's a poster that says, you know, here's what you're expected to stand for as a member of this team. Uh, you're expected to stand for community and customer service and care and, you know, all sorts of other keywords that when push comes to shove, don't actually mean their dictionary definitions. They mean uh, you're supposed to demonstrate an emotional commitment to the people above you who would never in a million years even think about sharing that same care community with the people below you. And Amazon is just like every other corporation in the United States, every other company in the world in that respect. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. It It is, again, one – I just – I keep coming back to this. Amazon is so huge and does so much that – so this is the thing, right? I was having lunch with somebody the other day, and they mentioned that the place where we both get our retirement from, uh, as in me and that person, is now implicated in it. So it's TIAA, and it's now implicated in buying up huge parcels of land in the South away from black farmers, mm. which is one of the reasons that now like 90% of uh, black farming families in the South have lost their land. Part of it is due to you know my mortgaging of current wages uh, my my essentially gambling that climate change isn't actually going to kill the planet in 12 years, you know? <laughs> and it made me realize that one of the things I most, one of the things that makes it hardest to fight against the sort of, the, the bleakness, the anxiety, the ennui that you sometimes get when you realize how bad things really are and how much worse they're likely to get before they ever have a prayer of getting better is that, these systems make us all complicit in it, uh, you know, because it, it just, it burrows into your mind. The fact that Amazon has, I know people who can barely afford most of their living costs, but have prime memberships. And I'm not saying that in the sense of like, look at poor people, they have fridges. Right. But I'm saying it in terms of having that freedom to say, oh, I'm going to order this thing and it'll be here in two days and I'll have a few TV shows. And, that and I'm also, I'm also watching. getting a discount on it too. Like that's that, also that's part true. of the Amazon yeah. model is you're getting things more or less below cost because of how much they're squeezing out of workers, uh, not just in terms of pay, but in terms of the rates. Right. We talked about that and it's worth mentioning again and again, the rates are absolutely punishing. They're impossible by design. They're arbitrary. They're designed to squeeze as much value out of the workday as possible from these workers. And that's all toward the goal of keeping consumption costs or keeping up production costs as low as possible, 
so people can consume their prime rates um, and continue, you know, churning cash into the the Amazon behemoth as it converts everything into Amazon. Right. And what it essentially does is once Amazon came into the market with this model, right? Like it wasn't going to turn a profit for a long time. It was going to have to keep being financed and everything until it could finally replace basically the post office and, you know, replace uh, any other online retailer you would care to name. And not even online retailers. We're seeing it take out brick and mortar retailers. Like it's it purchased Whole Foods because it wants to be your grocery store. Um, it wants to be your Walmart. Mm-hmm. It wants to be the place where you get uh, everything you could possibly need in your daily and life. It, and it wants to be the place that delivers it to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, like it's, we're already seeing it, you know, the Amazon drivers, yeah. Amazon drivers are within 10 years. They probably won't be delivering any packages at all through the post office. Right. And they've been kind of single handedly keeping the post office afloat for the past 15 years mm-hmm. or so. And it'll be interesting as what happens when that, no, when that's no longer the case. Right. And they also want to be the place that runs every website you ever go right, to yeah. through AWS. And correct me if I'm wrong, don't they also own Ring or Nest or one of these security companies as well? I'm sure. I, I so they, they're also doing that. So they, it's again this whole, it, it keeps coming back to this. It is, this is a company symbolized most of all by Jeffy that wants to control your entire life because they see themselves as their as our anointed protectors. Like they will give us everything we want out of a sense of noblesse oblige. All we have to do is promise to work for them and make them look good in the eyes of everyone else. And then they'll tolerate like a few people who don't work for them as long as they somehow provide services that enable other people to work for them. And that's that's the future that they want for uh, for us. But we do try to end these episodes on a positive note. Do we? Uh, I do. <laughs> and I do think that... I, I embrace the void, but, you know, let's do it your way. All right. Well, yeah, let's take a walk on the wild side today, Rich. <laughs> um, I do think that there is one good thing to hold on to in all of this. I think that if businesses are having to recur to something this obvious and this easily torn apart to do their public relations for them in a way that... You know, like 10 years ago during the the height of the previous recession, it used to be just the recession. Yeah, we got another one coming up, folks. Yep. Strap in. Um, During the previous recession, you know, I I knew so many people for whom every workplace just sucked. And they did. I'm not saying that they didn't, that they are completely right. But it was an assumed fact that they sucked, that they had always sucked, and that they would continue to suck, and that that was it. And weirdly, this was not followed up by any desire to improve on any of those situations. But now I think the fact – and so businesses didn't have to bother to try and look better in the eyes of anybody because that was baked in. We all assumed that they were terrible. But now you look at – Amazon having to do this FC ambassadors thing. And you look at uh, brands having to respond to like somebody with 5,000 followers on Twitter, calling them out for poor customer service. And I think the one good thing here might be that maybe this means in some small way, we've got them running scared. Yeah. This is a point you made. We were talking a little bit earlier and it's worth thinking about the lack of a historical uh, comparison for this. You can't imagine Andrew Carnegie putting one of his steel workers out in front of the steel plant to talk about, oh, actually, it's fine in there. You know, we love being steel workers. We love getting paid nothing to uh, put our lives in danger to make you a billionaire, the first billionaire or whatever. I don't think he was actually the first billionaire, but he's, he's one of the first. You can't imagine some, like, lord in medieval France telling his serf to go, you know, tell the church. Actually, it's great being a serf. I love it. Uh, but here we have the spectacle of Amazon putting forward its workers, uh, you know, admittedly a very small number of them. How, how many did were that in the list? Not more than 50. I think 53. 53. And, you know, some, most of them only post one or two times before uh, turning the accounts over to someone else. But nonetheless, the very fact that they feel obliged to do this suggests at the very least that they feel threatened, that our critiques of their workplace, our attempts to organize the workplace – uh, the Prime Day strikes, and I think especially a public figure like Bernie Sanders 
uh, making Amazon his particular bet noir uh, has them afraid that this is something that could actually damage them. And that's a good news that, you know, that's something we can cling to and say, all right, we're, we're making a dent. We got to keep up the pressure. We got to keep not just publicizing the fact that these workplaces are hell, but also publicizing the fact that workers are organizing these places. There are approaching successful attempts to get unions in these shops. And once you get unions in these shops, we can start thinking about uh, not just improving the workplaces in Amazon, but obviously that'll be step one, improving workplaces, improving safety, improving worker control of the shop floor, improving wages, but also start thinking about uh, how Amazon can be made to work for us. This is a massive logistics operation. This is an operation that can cheaply deliver products anywhere in the globe. Uh, right now, it's being turned toward the profit motive. The reason they do this is to make cash for Jeff Bezos and his uh, anointed ones. Imagine if we used Amazon as a way to deliver products to people uh, for the benefit of the people. If we use these logistical networks, we use these fulfillment centers, let's not call them that under uh, any future regime, let's come up with a better word uh, for what they are. We use these fulfillment centers and the nodes that connect them together uh, as a way of delivering resources to people on a more equitable basis. That could be a society worth defending. Yeah, I completely agree with that. There's, and whenever you talk about this, you kind of run the risk of making Amazon unfortunately sound good. And that's why it's so important to draw the distinction between what Amazon has done, what uh, the, the bare facts of the situation it has created is an incredible logistical feat, but it's all being turned to put more money into Jeffy's pockets. And it could instead be used. I mean, there are so many applications that this could go towards that it simply isn't because one man wants to get rich. And to be fair, a lot of people around him are hoping that they'll get rich when he does, or as he does, rather. There's something about – it is very difficult, I think, in this day and age um, to remember that you know, because you force the FC ambassadors program to stop for a bit while they figure out what their next public relations coup will be or what have you. <laughs> Whatever brain genius public relations scam they have coming up next. They're all brain genius scams. I'm sure, I'm I've sure, been in the room for a lot of them. I'm, I'm already anticipating the next punching out episode in like October when Amazon pops off with its <laughs> next, next nonsense. Week. Yeah. <laughs> right, this show is just from now on this discussing is, no, Amazon. Punching PR. Amazon col- or punching out colon Amazon. Yep. Or just punching Amazon. Punching Amazon, that's good. There you go, 72-part series. But we have to remember that just because this particular public relations thing got defeated, that is a victory for sure. But it also means that we are learning to keep the pressure up on places like this. And honestly, if Jeffy is so interested in looking good for the public, I think that's a good thing that can be used. I mean, he again, he clearly cares about his reputation and his legacy. That's something that workers are trying to use to their advantage, and we should continue to help them do that. You get Part of, I think, the genius behind uh, the way Bernie Sanders has gone after Amazon is to make it clear that they could be doing better very easily. They just choose not to. And so he takes out any talk of, you know, companies, whenever they're they're under siege like this, they always recur to, if you look at the airlines or restaurants or cars or whatever, it's always, well, we have razor thin profit margins and we have this and we have that. But Amazon is so gigantic that it can't claim that with a straight face anymore. And so he's able to sort of keep the pressure up on them. And it's something that we all kind of have to uh, join in doing, which is very unfortunate because we all do love easy access to consumer products, but unfortunately your, our dependence on them is going directly to line the already bloated pockets of one dude that I think I'm actually on the opposite end from you. I think Jeffy is going to send us out to the asteroids and then, you know, re terraform earth somehow. We'll, we'll be working the Amazon mines. Exactly. Our, our, That'll our, be the real fulfillment. That, that, right there. <laughs> that, that's our climate change out. Uh, just live on a planet without climate. That's yeah, there the, you uh, go. That's the future. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, Jeff Bezos, if he paid his workers a living wage, would still be a world historic hoarder of wealth. Yep. Like that. that's part of what's so obscene is that this individual is collecting monopolistic profits 
uh, off the exploitation, not just of his workers, but also of you know public institutions like the post office. But we have a chance now to I, I think we have a better chance than we have ever had. Yeah. To curb that somewhat. And to be clear, I would love to live in a society where Jeff Bezos uh, had no money or at least had as much money as anyone else had. But if the compromise works out to be that Amazon workers get reasonable pay and more control over their workspace and more control of their work rate and Jeff Bezos also gets to remain rich, eh, I can live with that for the near term at least. Yeah. And you got to start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, these. I, I don't think these victories are going to be big. I think no. they're going to be grinding and they're going to be small. But. We're, we're not going to storm the fulfillment centers like the best deal. Uh, but, you know, maybe we could, uh, at the very least, make them work more for us. Yes. And certainly work more for the people inside them. Yeah. And I think that's, do you think that's actually a pretty good place to end up? Let's, uh, yeah, let's call it uh, punching out. And All right. punching Amazon out. So let's end it there. I'm Noah. And I'm Rich, reminding you that Elizabeth Warren is for leftists to own property. This hey. has been Punching Out. You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Leo. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.